Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, friends. This is Lindsay, your local late-blooming lesbian. I have been asked several times, either on Instagram or TikTok, to talk about when I actually left my abuser, what that was like, the whole process, and so I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to that. Here we go. Okay, hello friends. This is going to be my first time simultaneously recording a podcast and putting it on my YouTube channel. I am going to just dabble in YouTube and see that if it's something that I want to keep up with or if I'll just stick to the podcast and the Instagram and the TikTok stuff. Who knows? So bear with me. I'm not sure how this will go because I usually record my podcasts in chunks and we're just gonna go for this. Um, so I have been asked quite a bit about how my breakup went down? What did that look like? What did it feel like? How long did it take? How many times did I try? Etc. So I'm going to dive into that. And also I want to apologize to anyone who's watching me on YouTube. I am in my car. The nature of my job and my schedule and everything requires me to spend a lot of downtime sitting in my car. So bear with me. Um, I will try not to do all my episodes in the car because that feels a little bit weird, but here we go. So I uploaded a video on TikTok that took off. At this point, it is on the cusp of uh, 20 million, which blows my mind. The video is of me on my birthday, which was um, August 10th of 2021, walking in after having taken my son to pick blueberries and sunflowers. It was a you pick situation and we went and we had a blast. It was a really good special mama son time. When I walk in, um, just for those who haven't seen the video, um, my ex who was my partner at the time, of course, is recording me walking in, recording my reaction. Um, and they were, they were surprising me. Um, they had a couple of gifts. I don't even remember what they were, a little tiny little cake thing and a balloon. Um, and they sing happy birthday to me. I found that video. Um, so again, this was in August of 2021. I found the video in January of 2022. Saw my, I guess there is a time limit on the podcast. So we are doing it in chunks. Bear with me. Um, yeah, I saw my body language and just felt shocked. Um, just, I was in a really weird place and it was like one o'clock in the morning and I captioned the video and posted it. At the time, I thought maybe 2,000 people will see this and relate to it. It'll get to who it needs to get to. And if hopefully it will help someone who's been in that situation to see it and feel validated and 
not crazy and or help someone who is in that kind of relationship right now and help them be like, oh crap, I gotta go. This is where I'm at. She was there. She got out. I'm next. Um, what do I need to do to get out? The video ended up taking off, like I said, and so I started creating more content around that. Um, I was already working on sharing my experience, my journey, etc., because I really feel like I could have used some support and I want to do that for other people. So August 10th, 2021, August 18th, 2021, I go on a date with my partner and say, look, these are some of my concerns about the relationship. I'm starting to realize, you know, we're lacking this, this, and that. I had like a whole list of things and they sat back in their chair and said, let's break up then. And I said, okay. And I know that they were calling my bluff or trying to, um, they even said that afterwards when I was like, we're broken up and I was sticking with it and they were like, no, we're not. No, we're not. Um, you know, I was just mad. I just didn't want to talk about the things you wanted to talk about. Um, whatever, you know, they were, they were not, they didn't want to break up of course, because even though it seems like narcissists are, um, the ones who are going to go out and leave you and cheat on you. And they do sometimes they do often. Usually you have to leave them because as much as we are addicted to them in our trauma bond, they are addicted to us as well. Sorry. That was gross. I'm playing with my hair. Um, they're addicted to us as well and they can't leave us. They act like, I mean, they, they don't care about us. They treat us like absolute crap, but they don't leave because they're getting supply from us, which is a whole other story. Um, or a whole other conversation. So I said, okay. And I started crying, like tears were pouring out, like out of my eyes. And I was just like very sad because I was like, this is happening. This is like, we've broken up 20 times over the course of two and a half years. But like, at this point I have to make changes. I have to make massive changes and I have to actually find a place to live you know, start over, remove my son from this abusive situation. Um, and it's daunting. It's overwhelming. But I knew that I wasn't crying for that person. I remember being sad for them thinking like, you're just going to keep doing this over and over again and you're never going to change and you're never going to heal. And I am. And I was very sad. I was very sad for them, but I wasn't sad for the breakup or the loss of that relationship. So we lived, we lived together And after our breakup date, um, we both went back to the house and my son's dad was there playing with my son because we co-parent very closely and spend a lot of time in each other's houses and things like that. And my ex decided to, um, give my son's dad a cigar, some beers was like trying to like bro out with him. And I chose to stay inside because I was uncomfortable with the way that they were acting. They were just acting like nothing had happened. And I, of course, was like upset and was like, this is weird. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a big deal out of anything, but I'm also not going to like sit outside and act like, you know, sit and drink with you and my son's dad and act like nothing ever happened. So I'm inside and we had someone staying with us at the time. And we both heard my ex, my abuser say to my son's dad, yeah, I still haven't found the one I'm still looking. And I'm like, will you? how can you say that to the person whose life you just like basically took over? You, you knew what you were doing and you came in and you are now with his wife, his child, like you're living the life that he had. Um, and you just like looked him in the eyes and said that. And then also like they were trying to bond with him over childhood trauma and being closed off. And essentially what they were doing was trying to 
put him on their side and pin me to be the overly um, emotional, needy, demanding, like, Lindsay needs too much, right? Like, Lindsay is the common denominator here, right? You're on my side, right? We're just two chill people trying to get through life with this girl who's just like, oh my God, you need to do this. You need to do that. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And I heard this and I came outside and I was very angry and I opened the door and I was like, this is messed up. You're sitting outside talking about me. And I like looked at my son's dad and I said, they're not going to tell you this because they're trying to do this weird triangulation thing with you. But we just broke up and this is, this is messed up. And I was like mad, started crying and stormed off because I don't like confrontation. So he came in and comforted me. He came in and I was like bawling and he was like, I didn't know you two broke up. I'm so sorry. That was really inappropriate. I had no idea that that's, that's what was going on. I won't talk to them about you anymore. And my ex just stayed outside in the chair by the fire, like rooted in place, never came inside at all that night. Never, like they went to bed, but never came in, never apologized, never asked if I was okay, never nothing, right? Like it just, the night went on, my son's dad ended up leaving, I slept in my son's bed. Never apologized. So I pulled back emotionally, I distanced myself physically, I slept in my son's bed, I stopped having conversations with them. If they came up to me, I did the gray rock method, which is just kind of making yourself uninteresting, not reactive, not really engaging in conversation, and just kind of Like, you know, they'd come up to me and talk and act normal, which they always did. That's something that it's a, it's a hoovering method, right? Just act normal. Um, and you're supposed to just be like, oh, I guess we didn't break up. I guess I'm crazy and I overreacted and whatever. And so I would just be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that, that must, that must be hard for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And just wouldn't really engage. And so about two weeks went by and I chose to book a ticket to Indiana to stay with my family for two weeks or so to kind of clear my head, create distance and space and come up with like an an escape plan. Because again, we were on a lease together. So I went home. We were still talking, um, not as much, but they would FaceTime my son. They would FaceTime me. And I remember when the two weeks were up and it was time for me to go back, I told my mom, I just said, I don't want to go back. And at this point, my mom knew we were broken up, but didn't know any of the ins and outs of the physical abuse, the emotional abuse or anything like that. Like maybe I would say, oh, you know, like there's just something that would be normal in a relationship where it's, it's just not really happening anymore. There's no communication, things like that. But I did not share the extent of the abuse that I was um, experiencing. And my mom, I remember her being like, well, that's not normal. You're usually really excited to go back home. You usually don't love hanging out in like small town, podunk, Indiana. And I ended up delaying my trip home because I did not want to go back. I did not want to be in their presence. I was just kind of hoping that it would just magically disappear. But I did eventually go back and my ex picked me up from the airport was really, it was like at night, they were really positive. They were just talking, trying to engage with me, interact with me, talking to my son. I was really tired. So I was just like, you know, just like, I'm just quiet. And of course I was feeling like at this point I'm removed enough. I'm educated enough to recognize what they're doing and not just be like, Oh, they seem really nice. They must've missed us. They must be trying to be, you know, trying. They're trying. They're trying to be with me. I was just like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to show me that you're a great partner, you know, that things can be fine. And I know what, I know what's going to come after this. I know that this isn't lasting. And so we got home 
put the kiddo in bed. Um, I don't remember if we talked for a little bit or if it was just kind of like getting him settled because, again, it was really late. And then we were walking down the hallway to go to bed, and I opened the door to my son's room to go in there. And I remember they just kind of stopped in their tracks and looked at me, and it was like their their mask just dropped. And it was, oh, you're still on your bullshit. You're still going to be broken up with me and be separate from me. Okay. I'm not going to try it. Like I'm not love bombing you or I'm not going to, um, emotionally engage with you because you're not my, you're not giving me any supply anymore. Like literally you could see the, okay, this isn't working. My tactics aren't working anymore. So I spent the next two weeks sleeping in my son's room, maintaining that gray rocking, emotional distance, physical distance, etc. And, um, we, there was, it was, there was a lot of tension, right? And my son's there. I'm trying to like keep things calm. Like, you know, I need to figure out where I'm going to live, where we're going to live. And I'm scared. Um, not looking forward to having to try to find a place to live in the Pacific Northwest where it's very expensive, like still kind of making excuses to stay, but knowing, you know, I've made all these changes. There's no going back. I have to keep like trudging forward. Um, and essentially what happens is they've started a new job. They're working during the day and three nights a week. They're, they're working late at another job. And they told me that since they weren't seeing my son very much, they wanted to come home and do bedtime routine with him because they were missing him, etc. So I agreed to that, but each night they were coming home later and later. And, you know, I'm like sitting there looking at the clock, like, do I keep him up or do I go ahead and do this? Well, if I keep him up late, they're going to be mad. It was just a lot of this like uncertain, you know, like, why are they coming home late? And each night they came home late and we're not, we weren't together at this point. We're broken up, but come to find out, I found out maybe a month later, they had been lining up their next supply. So they were targeting a new girl at the gym, um, which I kind of had some, um, knowledge of, I knew that they had a crush. I knew that she was married she was off limits. So don't worry. Even though I looked up our Enneagrams to see if we're compatible, like just ignore that. That's just totally normal. Every time you meet someone, you want to see if you're compatible. Right. Um, but I didn't realize that they were coming home late because they were talking to her and kind of like flirting with her and lining her up in case I left. Right. Because they, a narcissist always has to have someone that they can have supply from. Um, but they would come home and be like, well, you know, so-and-so was, um, they were, uh, they were talking to me uh, about, uh, their own problems. And it was just always this really like off the cuff, like, oh, I, mm, and I, I knew that my ex was very good at lying. Well, very bad at lying, but very quick to lie. Right. Like you can always tell they're lying, but you're like, I'm like, how did you come up with that so quickly? Like, how, mm, interesting. You've been doing this for a long time. So, um, but they were becoming increasingly agitated and they had no patience for my son. And they would come home and they'd be like, Oh, like, Oh, he's, Oh, oh," you know, and he would start saying, I don't want you. I want mama. And this happened like several nights and, um, they were just, it must be exhausting to be trying to line someone up, trying to simultaneously hold on to someone who, you know, is slipping out of your grasp and do whatever it was they were doing with my son and working and doing all the things that, I don't know, it must've been exhausting for them. But they, um, one night came home and my son said, no, I don't want you. And they said, he's a brat. 
I'm done. I'm done with him. I'm not doing this anymore. You're turning him into a brat because you're not parenting him like I would. Storming around the house, throwing a fit, slamming doors, just like complaining about everything. And so I asked the friend that was still staying with us to quietly, calmly pack a bag with my son. And they did. They did a great job. They were like, this is going to be so fun. You're going to pack a bag. You're going to go stay at Dada's house because my son's dad was out of town at the time. So obvious answer, just up the street. We needed to go there. And I packed it. I just packed as much as I could of mine. And as I was walking out the door, they said to me, they, you know, approached me and they said, you're doing this. You don't have to leave. You're doing this because again, a narcissist will never admit fault. They'll never say you're right. I was acting inappropriately. I shouldn't have called him a brat. I shouldn't have whatever. Um, I see why you're leaving or please don't leave. I messed up. They'll never do that. They'll look you in the eyes and say, I know that I just hit you and you're leaving, but it's because of you. You did this. They will always blame you. So I left. We had a safe place to stay for the night. And basically from that point on, because they knew where I lived, I lived just up the street. They would just come over. They would text me while I was working and asked me if I wanted some food. They were going to stop by. They wanted to bring me something to make sure that I'm eating because I must be struggling. And I would say, no, 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 thank you. I'm working. I'm busy. And then they would say, oh, I'm outside. Can I come in? Um, and one morning, like the final straw for me was that they were waiting outside my house when in the morning when I let the dogs out. And when I, I mean, I had that house on full lockdown and when I let the dogs out, they had been waiting outside for me to open the door to let the dogs out at the back door and um walked right in entered the house where I was living and I thought that they wanted my dog so I like I was like no 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 and I picked up the dog handed them the dog and said just take the dog just take the dog and leave because they had been threatening me since I took the dog they said they were going to destroy my plants all my things um empty out my dog's ashes like they'll, they'll try to threaten you to lure you back home they'll threaten you with whatever it is that means something to you. However they can get you straight in the heart, they're going to go for it. And I just ignored all of that because I was like, that's fine. I'm leaving. It's not worth, nothing is worth it. Like my dog is not in this little tent. So fine. Do what you got to do. Destroy my plants. I can get new ones. Um, but they came and then they put the dog right down and said, I don't want Pip. Beelined it to my son, you know, crouched down. He's almost four. And they were like, buddy, hey, buddy, do you want to go get a donut with me? Let's go get a donut. Because they knew that if they could get my son, who trusts them as an adult, or clearly didn't because he started saying he didn't want to be around them anymore, that if they got my son, got me to, you know, calm down and go with them, then they would have us back. We would just go home all together later and that would be that. And during that week, um... I did see them. I did see them. I would meet them outside to walk the dog and have conversations with them. And they would try to gaslight me and manipulate me and convince me to do what they wanted me to do. But at that point, I was removed enough to be like, you're trying to gaslight me. Like in the back of my head. Okay. Okay. Yep. I hear you. Just didn't let it get to me anymore. So I ended up calling my mom um, the day of the donut. um, The donut scandal or whatever you want to call it. Um, because my son that day obviously saw me in distress that this other adult that they've known for more than half their life came in. They saw me in distress and he, he sat on the couch and he said, mama, I'm scared. Mama, I'm scared. And then after they left, he said, mama, that scared me. Mama, that scared me. And it's so horrible to watch your child 
see you in distress about someone and be afraid and not really understand what's going on. And I called my mom and I said, look, this is where I'm at. And I told her everything. I told her I'm being physically abused. I'm being emotionally abused. Uh, my son is being, um, my son is being emotionally abused or used as a pawn. And I just spilled and spilled and spilled. And my mom was like, you're coming home. This isn't safe anymore. We don't know what this person's capable of, right? Um, biological parents will retaliate and take a child um, to get back at their victims. And we were like, it's not worth it. You know, his dad's not around to keep us safe. There's no one else here in this area who's looking out for me. So I booked a ticket and went home. And when I left, um, I packed and I knew that I wasn't going to come back for three months. I didn't tell my ex anything. I said, I'm just going to go for a couple of weeks and like let some space come between us, some time, some like whatever. And I think that they thought that I would still come back. And I waited three months. I waited until they made their moves on the new girl, which they did very quickly. I think it was, I think the actual physical progression of it was two weeks after I left, which is a long time in narcissist um, time, but from what I can tell, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. Um, but I waited. So I waited until they had their new person set in place. They had pretty much moved them into our house. Um, we're spending all their time with them, got that person to leave her husband for them. I waited until that happened. I waited until they moved out of our house because I was still paying rent there. All my stuff was still there. And I even added an extra month of padding from the day that my ex moved out to the day that I came back and got my stuff. Literally three months I stayed away, wasted money, wasted, you know, whatever, just to have that much time and space between us and make sure that they were moved on, you know, really invested in this new person. And that's when I, that's when I came back. Going back a little bit um, on the timeline, I left in the beginning of October and it still took me two weeks to go no contact. Even though I knew in my mind, I said, okay, the moment that I get on that plane, I'm going no contact. I didn't. I talked to them for two more weeks after that um, and it was spotty. I would go like a day or two without talking to them and I would just be so proud of myself because every minute, every hour, every day that you're going no contact and trying to break your trauma bond with your abuser is a massive milestone and every, it will continue to be a milestone forever. Um, and I was, you know, I would feel good and then I would give in, I would feel good and then I would give in. And then when I saw them, I ended up seeing whole conversations that they had with the new girl and I was able to read that. And I promise you that that was put in front of me on purpose. The, the narcissist wants you to know that they're moving on, that they found someone better, that they're happier, that their life is about to be perfect, that you were subpar, you know, you ruined everything and now they're going to have this perfect, amazing life, which is not true. They were, they will repeat that same pattern with the next girl and the next, the next person, the next person, the next person. But I was able to read and see that they were saying the exact same things to the new girl, as they said to me in the beginning, which helped me fully understand and accept that I was dealing with a narcissist and not just someone who's traumatized like the rest of us and maybe making poor choices and has poor communication skills or whatever. Um, cause that's what we do as well. When we're being abused is convince ourselves that it's us. We're the problem. We're the traumatized one. And also that like, they're not that bad. Like they're just, it's their trauma. They just, they're closed off. They don't know how to communicate, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so two days after I found out about the girl, I went no contact and I 
have not wavered. It has been today, three months, no contact on my end. They have contacted me, but I've stayed no contact so far. I don't know if they'll message me again or not. Doesn't matter. That in a nutshell is my breakup story. I know that was really long. I don't know how long it was. Um, I'll probably be able to trim a little bit of this out, but since I'm like trying the whole recording me on the video and doing the podcast at the same time, who knows? I don't know if I just like drove y'all crazy and you like clicked out of this really quickly or if you're like, what? Say more. But either way, thank you for listening to my story, for asking about my story. Um, this was a different, uh, feeling podcast for me because usually I come in and, um, have a narcissist. So far what I've done is explain a tactic that a narcissist uses and then what that looked like for me, my experience with that tactic, you know, share that, share examples and go from there. Whereas this was like, what did your breakup look like? So I'm just like, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened because it's all just my experience versus being like, you know, this was love bombing. This is what I've learned that it is. This is what it looked like. So it was much more just me talking at you all and less like thinking of how this should be set up. So I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it was easy to follow. Either way, I am available on Instagram and TikTok at the Lindsay Goodman. Um, I now have a YouTube channel, Lindsay Goodman for now. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, my website is thelindsaygoodman.com. So if you want more information, you have questions, you have comments, you have feedback, whatever, please reach out. Um, and uh, if you like this podcast, please feel free to give me a review and again, thank you so much for your time. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was relatable. Actually, I hope it wasn't. <laughs> I hope this is never something that this is never the kind of content that you want to consume. But if my TikTok video tells me anything, there are a lot of people that have been or are in my shoes. So again, thank you all so much and I will see you next time.